When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast, and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. This week's West Ham United prize is a fantastic signed and dual framed West Ham shirt package, including a signed shirt from Declan Rice and star striker Mikhail Antonio. Tickets cost just £8.95 each. Just 99 will be sold and the competition ends on Friday the 4th of February at 7.30pm. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Said Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufau up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. We here at the We Are West Ham podcast were as saddened and heartbroken as everyone else to learn just after we finished recording last week's podcast that Princess Isla had passed away, we, as long as, as, along with thousands of other West Ham United fans and football fans across the planet uh, and across the country, of course, as well. Uh, fans from all sorts of teams have been clubbing together, helping support the Caton family through Isla's inspirational and heroic battle against neuroblastoma over the past, past few years. And sadly, as Nikki announced before Christmas, there was nothing more the doctors can do. And uh, yeah, Isla was taken from us last week. Uh, so there's no other way we could start the podcast this week other than by saying how saddened me and James uh, both were and anyone who's got anything to do with the We Are West Ham podcast by the news. Unfortunately, obviously, we all knew it was coming at some stage. Uh, but the bravery and not just from Isla herself, obviously, she is an inspiration and fortunately, her legacy will live on far beyond any of us and she will be remembered far more than the vast majority of us uh, doing this podcast and listening to the podcast will be uh, cruelly short life. Uh, but what an inspiration she was with her time with us on the planet. So there was no other way um, for me and James to start this week's show by just sending all of our love and support to Nikki and the Caton family, um, our thoughts have always been with her for the whole battle and the way they conducted themselves throughout um, Isla and the extended family. Like I said already, the only word for it from my point of view is is inspiring. The the things that they've had to come up against and and that Nikki battled against to, to give Isla a fighting chance over all that time, all those years fundraising alongside actually taking care of her daughter is a burden that I certainly don't have any faith that I'd be able to bear. Um, so it was the, the only way we could possibly start the show. Um, James, I know we, we've spoken about it in the week. Obviously, there's, there's a bit of time passed. Isla had an absolutely wonderful send-off 
uh, on Friday, thousands of, of messages of love and support. Um, the outpouring has, has been wonderful, of course, but um, yeah, Isla no longer with us. Yeah, it's just so terribly sad that, as you said, such a such a short life, um, incredibly unfair, but as you said, inspiring. Every time I saw photos of her, she was, was smiling. And I think that just shows how strong she was, even at, at, at such a young age and what she was going through. I can't even imagine what, what she was going through, let alone her family. Um, uh, and you're right, what, everything that they had to do as a family just to fight for her, you know, had Nikki on the, the podcast last season, I think, and she was explaining exactly the sort of things that they've been having to do and, you know, going over to Barcelona, over to America to try and find different types of treatment, speaking to different doctors and surgeons and, and, and everything else and plus all the fundraising and um, just so inspiring, not just from, from Isla, but her family as well, the, the work they put in and, and also the wider community, you know, the West Ham family, mm. um, now, when you you're getting tributes in from clubs from all over the world, you know Lazio, um, even Millwall, Tottenham, you know all, all clubs that you know there's a rivalry, but it's not a rivalry when you know someone like Isla's involved and and, yeah. and and it's just just so so heartwarming after the after the news to to see the outpouring of um, tributes from from all over the world from you know supporters of all clubs and um, yeah. players and the club itself and um, just so sad and yeah hit me hit me like a ton of bricks when I woke up the following morning because no, although we knew, although we were told kind of it's you know there's nothing more that can be done and um, yeah I think it hit it hit me like a ton of bricks and first thing I saw when I opened up to it that following morning was, was that mm. and I'm sure it's the same for everyone else and but she's um she's at peace now and I think take a little bit of comfort in that and I'm sure our family do as well that she's at peace and um, as you said her legacy will live on forever yeah yeah absolutely mate you've hit the nail on the head there and I think again I keep I don't know keep using the same word inspirational but the that's what it is though isn't it yeah of course it is, is mate and from from Nikki as well we know is the main driving force and she had some some great help from people among the fan base as well, but to keep that message, even at what must be a crushingly sad time for her, to keep that message of positivity and, and thanks and, and gratitude and whatever there's, uh, talking about like celebrating Isla's life and that sort of thing. And it really is, it's it's uh, uh, as much as it can be out of such a crushingly sad situation. It's like so much positivity has come out of it as well, isn't it? Or just mm. positive... Um, positive feelings to see everyone unite like that and yeah as we said already I just think all of our love and support with Nikki and you hit the nail on the head James again when you said about uh, all the pictures you saw of Isla smiling you mentioned Nikki coming on the podcast and that was just a signal of how much she had to contend with we'd obviously been speaking to her um, semi-regularly with the with the Betway charity bets and, and just sort of to make sure she was okay with that at first and then uh, sporadically throughout just you know updates or whatever and I remember when when she was looking for another bit of new treatment another surge of energy behind the cause and she came on she came on the podcast and I remember chatting to her it was like an afternoon um, and we'd arranged it all and all that sort of thing and I remember sort of the linked up on the the uh, zoom or whatever we were on 
and she was sitting in a hospital bed. I'd expected her, like we are now, behind a desk or whatever, all set up and prepared. She's sitting uh, next to a hospital bed with Isla there. I had a chat to Isla over over the Zoom briefly. She couldn't have been less interested, to be quite honest, in uh, some random bloke with headphones and a microphone on who she'd never seen before or never heard of. Um, but she just gave me a smile and carried on, said hello and carried on playing with her toys. And me and Nikki had a chat about uh, 20 minutes or so. And, you know, I remember her saying, oh, sorry, I've got to go. Uh, uh, you know, a nurse had turned up or whatever it was. And I think to have that for such a long period of time and to shoulder that burden in the way she did. And I remember her saying to me before that uh, sort of goal, if you like, was to, you know, if I did ever leave her or leave us, um, that she wanted to be able to look back and say she didn't leave anything out there and she didn't mm-hmm. leave any stone unturned or, uh, you know, in giving Isla the best chance possible. And that's the that's the only thing we can say about her, really. She 100% did that, didn't she? Um, so, yeah, love and respect from from me and James and everyone associated with the We Are West Ham podcast uh, to Isla. And as James said already, her legacy will live on forever. Well, Jonesy, uh, as you mentioned there, mate, the the perspective that uh, a situation like Isla's brings everything into, it brings everything into sharp focus uh, immediately, doesn't it? And I was exactly the same the other day. Uh, I don't know about you, sort of when when the news broke, as crushingly sad as it was, it just sort of just made me feel grateful, really. Like me and you get to do this. Like same as you, you've got a lovely family, got some good friends, both enjoy what we do for a living. Um, and it just makes, obviously, you know, grumbly and grumble and moan about things to each other most weeks before we actually hit record on the podcast. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of, it certainly made me grateful for lots of the good things and sort of able to shift it into a bit of perspective, really, and how lucky we all are to be here for however long. Um, we get to live on the planet. And one thing it certainly does do, as you mentioned with the club rivalries, uh, is bring into sharp focus the folly that is supporting a football team and it ruining your day, week or month or year or life in uh, certain cases. Um, And on that note, (laughs) we now have to talk about uh, the transfer window and West Ham's complete shambolic dereliction of duty lack of activity by bringing no players in to the thinnest squad ever when we're on the brink of the biggest achievements some of the biggest achievements in the club's history um i was all geared up before to be quite honest um for her right old rant because we said i look we'll leave the negativity uh, until such a time where west ham don't sign any players but there is a huge chance that we will bring some bodies in so let's leave it for now we haven't brought any bodies in uh, but after the introduction to the podcast of course all of a sudden i just don't care <laughs> i mean i still i still care but it just makes it feel a bit silly all of a sudden doesn't it yeah following that by moaning about <laughs> something so trivial, anyway. like, like yeah, football yeah. and signings is yeah a little bit weird but um it's still a part of people's lives, isn't it, West Ham? So, it um, is. yeah, we've we've got to talk about it. But so look, you you were the main one. I think I 
I don't want to take credit away from you. Um, so pull me up if you don't agree. But I think I was probably the ones tugging you back slightly, holding the reins a bit and saying, come on, mate, let's just leave it. Let's leave it. Let's leave it. Uh, but I did promise you during those sentiments that if it came to a time where West Ham didn't send, uh, spy anyone, excuse me, um, that I'd let you off the leash as such or loosen the reins a bit. So away you go, mate. Well, I mean, I don't really know where to start, mate, if I'm honest. I'm, all morning, I've been trying to find the words to describe how I feel. Um, and I've struggled to, to really find the words that truly reflect exactly how I feel about West Ham's transfer window or lack of transfer window. They may as well, they may as well yeah. have not been one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it didn't yeah. happen. West Ham didn't, didn't have one. Some other yeah, clubs just, had one. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Go on. Um, so I, I, I booted up dictionary.com, um, nice. clicked over to the thesaurus, yep. typed in confused because that's kind of roughly how I feel. Not confused.com. Um, you didn't just get no, a no, no. like insurance no. comparison. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but good shout. I probably need to do yeah. that as well. I can deal on my contents insurance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I needed to find some synonyms because I was yep. like, there's so many words. I don't know which is the right one. So I'm just going to use all of them. Yeah. So, so, so I'm baffled. Yeah. I'm, I'm befuddled. I'm bewildered. I'm dazed. I'm disorganized, distracted, muddled, perplexed, perturbed, puzzled, abashed, um, flummoxed. That's a good one. A flummox, um, yeah. uh, and there's, there's others here. There's, uh, I'm, I'm glassy eyed. <laughs> Not yeah. with it. Yeah. I'm punch drunk. Punch yeah. drunk with West Ham's transfer window. I'm at sea. I'm unzipped. At sea. That's a brilliant one, yeah. What else uh, you got? At sixes and sevens. Yeah. Um, thrown off balance, which I think is probably about right as well. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. yeah. Slap happy. Oh, um, that's slap happy? That's that what it says good. here. Slap happy. Uh, I'd leave the... We'll, we'll cut that one. Yeah, but I think that... You get, you get the idea, mate. You get the idea. See, that's surprising me, mate, because I like loads of them. At sea and flummoxed, I think we can all agree are top two there. Um, I thought they were going to be along the lines of, and I'm going to have a crack at this, um, and I haven't got thesaurus.com in front of me, so know that these are just coming from the heart. Uh, so I'm going to go with apoplectic, furious, beside myself with rage, fuming, <laughs> Steaming at the ears, um, shuddering with mm, shuddering with rage. Yeah, I know I've done rage already. Um, have you got any more for me? Um, livid. Livid, livid, yeah, livid's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah see, I don't I normally try to be quite a positive person, so I'm not used to digging into these uh, adjectives to describe the way I feel. Apoplectic is probably my favorite one i'm not even sure if i'm pronouncing that right uh, but apoplectic with rage i just uh, and that's why i'm surprised yours seem to come from a bit more of a just i just don't understand but, i just but think it's just i'm just angry mate so i'm beyond i'm beyond anger i'm i tweeted it on sunday night yeah, um, just, I'm just really struggling with the fact that West Ham are going into the last 24 hours of the window having not signed a single player given the size of our squad. And it, it went semi-viral. I think about 700 likes, 50 retweets. Hang on a um, minute. Sorry, say that Say that again. What, semi-viral? 
No, 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 no. Sorry, I wasn't digging you out for your terminology. What was the tweet? I got a little bit distracted um, then trying to get some stats up in a minute. But I said, said so, it was along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with the fact that we're, we're going into the last 24 hours of the window, having not signed a single player, despite right. the size of our squad, despite what we're going for. Yeah. Got a lot of engagement, a lot of fans, a couple of fans were like, oh, calm down, mate, you know. Don't worry, Coletta Carl's on his <laughs> way. Whatever um, you tweet, people seem to just reply saying, Calm yeah. down. <laughs> had, had one lad go, oh, um, Calm down, chap, which is always yeah, that was a brilliant passive, one. Yeah, yeah, passive aggressive. And um, no, Coletta Carl's on his way, being done as we speak. Yeah, awful. Um, as far as I'm as far as I'm aware, he's still at Marseille. Um, yeah, bizarre, is, that's funny. We got um, stuck in the Euro tunnel, mate. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, and you've got other fans going, oh, it's, it's GSB's fault. Some fans going, it's Moyes' fault. I, you know, yeah. I don't care whose fault it is. No. The fact is, yeah. for whatever reason, we've decided that strengthening what is probably the thinnest squad we've had in decades um, was not um, crucial in order to achieve what we want to achieve this season. Like, yeah, okay, they might have tried. All those phantom bids for the likes of Calvin Phillips, Rafinha, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Like, like, I think um, Simon Jordan called it right on Talk Sport and said, yeah. they're, only, they're either making those bids just to make it look like they're doing something or, yeah. or they're just saying they've made those bids and they haven't really made those mm. bids um, for the exact same reason, to make it look like they're doing something. Um, I just... I don't care whose fault it is. The fact is that, you know, we're trying to finish in the top four in a season where it doesn't really look like anyone wants to finish in the top four. Mm. You know, okay, Tottenham brought in a couple of players on deadline day, but no one knows how they're going to do. You know, I didn't sign anyone. But desperate to keep, desperate to keep hold players, right? Even if yeah. they're fringe events. Ogbonna was a fringe eventus player, wasn't he? Yeah, it turned out to be uh, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, you know, um, Arsenal let half their squad go, didn't sign anyone. Um, so you, you look at it and go, well, this is our opportunity. Strengthen now, and top four could be ours. Or we, we give ourselves an even better chance than we've already given ourselves mm. to finish the top four. We give ourselves a much better chance of going deep into the Europa League, potentially get to a final and you know, maybe winning it and finishing and, and qualify for the Champions League that way. There is a, there's a real possibility of us doing that this season. However, you know, however people how difficult it might be for a club like West Ham to do that, yeah. the opportunity's there. Yeah, yeah. And we failed to really give ourselves a better chance. And a lot of fans were saying, oh, you know, well, why risk signing a player and wasting money on him if he's not the right player? Well, sometimes when you, you get to a point where you have to take risks to alleviate the other risk, which or, is, yeah, which is you take the risk on, you know, signing a player that may or may not work out in order yeah. to, in order to alleviate the risk of having your season fall apart in the second half of the season because your squad's knackered. And yeah. not finishing in the top six, at least yeah, at the yeah. very least. Now we've gone. We won't take that risk, but we're going to give ourselves an even bigger risk by let, allowing the other players to to crack on for the rest of the season, even though they're absolutely shattered at this point. Yeah, mate. Uh, well delivered. Well delivered. Thanks. I like that. That's an excellent monologue. Um, you know what I what I say to anyone who? Well, I don't say because I don't like to engage in. Twitter arguments basically but um, what I uh, any what I always think to myself in an angry voice so you know I'm probably, probably giving it some to myself yeah. when I hear that about don't just sign anyone first of all first of all that is just people not thinking for themselves and taking the sound bites that are fed to them by the club or by Moyes or whatever because Moyes' tagline has been oh, I don't want to buy players for the sake of it not a single West Ham fan 
was shouting that in Twitter arguments, parrot fashion, as if it was their own idea, which is basically all people do in Twitter arguments, is take someone else's thing they've heard or read and say it as their as if it's their own. No one was saying that before David Moyes rocked up and started saying it. Okay, no one mm-hmm. was saying that at West Ham. No one was going. Oh. Like no fans were going. Oh, that's a, that's a good mm-hmm. thing actually, mate. Yeah, perhaps we shouldn't be signing players for the sake of it. No one was saying that. So first of all, it's not an original idea you've had there, um, and you're just saying it to be facetious, I think. Secondly, secondly, you cannot if, if that if that is true. If you take it as that that someone actually believes that then i think well what the hell sort of professional premier league outfit has not been able to find a single footballer (laughs) on the planet in the last 12 months who plays center forward who has got a legitimate chance be it through michael antonio's injuries which he gets semi-regularly or through his drop drops in form, which he also gets semi-regularly and happens to be slap bang in the middle of at the moment. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Whoever I'm with you, sort of. I've got an inkling, sort of, of who's a feeling, uh, sort of, from things I've heard and stuff of whose fault it is if there's anyone's. I do honestly think it's a combination. We'll get onto that in a bit. But what sort of professional outfit, professional Premier League club? Even if you don't want to sign people just for the sake of it, why have you not been able to find a signing that isn't just for the sake of it in that time? You cannot tell me that there's not a player out there that would not be a just for the sake of it signing. Especially if there there isn't, then you're not looking in the right places and doing your jobs properly. That's what you're there for. Especially two months after signing ahead of a recruitment, by the way, in Rob Newman. Yeah. He he came in, he was brought in specifically to avoid what we've just what's just happened yeah to specifically avoid us going to transfer window and i'm in an r in over a, a short list of players and not too sure not too sure it, it was, it's his job he's the recruitment head of recruitment it's his job to identify the players that aren't just for the sake of its signings and the players that we one are good enough for west ham two can strengthen west ham and three are are affordable and, and gettable players for west ham in terms of the position that we're in at the moment I heard one report, mate. So I'm the Rob Newman thing. Sorry, I know you were just shaking. I wasn't sure if you were just quivering <laughs> with anger or had something else to say. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what else to say. I don't know. Just like stop, just like shuddering on screen. Uh, goodness, that if that's not worth going over to the We Are West Ham podcast on YouTube <laughs> to see that clip, then I don't know what is. Um, but I heard one report that suggested Newman put a list of players in front of Moyes. Now, again, this is I'm not sure of the validity of this. Um, it's just something I heard. Um, so that he put a list of players in front of Moyes and he was told that none of them were up to scratch, right? So, fine. And But as far as Rob Newman goes, and I'm going to... Because me and you both in the last couple of weeks went on Justin, spoke to Justin. Uh, I think you might know him on Twitter, listening to Chicago Hammer. Yeah. Uh, on the West Ham Media Tour, on the Hammers Polls YouTube channel podcast. And uh, me and you both went on there, and I'm going to recycle a line that I used when he asked me about uh, the transfers on Rob Newman. Uh, I'm happy to say I've used it before. So if you've listened to uh, me on the West Ham Media Tour the other week, then I apologise. But Rob Newman arrived in October, and 
I don't know how long it takes at West Ham to get set up on the software, whatever software they use, to get well, yourself a problem. Yeah, to get yourself a Gmail password and to find out where the coffee machine is and where mm. the toilets are and where you can park and all the other things that are associated with getting a new job. I reckon generously, generously, he could have his feet under the table within a week. Yeah, by the time he can turn up at work, like nowhere to park his car, nowhere to lunches to put it, uh, the fridges, excuse me, to put his pack lunch, nowhere he can make himself a tea um, and have a water, log into his computer um, and his company phone or whatever, and crack on with the task he's being paid a considerable amount of money to do. So give him a week. That leaves him at least, at least the whole of November and the whole of December to have got ourselves. That's not even mentioning the so-called football professionals at the club whose role or part of their role is to identify and sign players for West Ham United to improve the club. That's two months to get ourselves in a position where by the, at least the beginning of January, we've got an idea. And even if, even if, as does sometimes happen, West Ham's IT department is really not that up to scratch. And poor old Rob got there and he didn't have a laptop set up. So he had to wait a week for that. His company car wasn't ready for him. And, uh, you know, even if it took a bit of a while to get in, the passwords weren't working. He didn't have to use the software. He needed to go on a couple of training days um, to sort of buy into the company ethos and all that, right? Even if you said... That took a month, right? A month. I still another month. And I just, it just, it just isn't an excuse. I just, we're veering into the insulting fans territory again. And that's not a plan. And I honestly, I think it's sort of so much more galling this time around because it's the first time I think we've had that under Moyes. One interesting thing I want to get your thoughts on, Jonesy. Daniel Kratinsky arrived. Not long ago, plenty of fans were heralding that as the dawn of a new era, particularly in the transfer market slash spending um, sort of uh, circle, if you like. Um, He's wealthier by around four times than David Sullivan. I think he's worth about four billion quid to David Sullivan's one to one and a half. So three to four times wealthier. Um, I know he hasn't got a controlling stake. I appreciate that. But there was a general sort of the the implied PR line when he arrived was, you know, I want to go and improve the team and I want to push on and, you know, I'm here to improve West Ham. Uh, Well, implied, I said implied on purpose. And I just think I'm just interested because it's easy. Like it was the same old stuff, like people just blaming Gold Sullivan and Brady um, as has happened plenty of times in the past. I'm not adverse to that argument, but um, I think certainly this time there was more anti-Moyes sentiment and anti-Rob Newman sentiment for those who've heard of him. Um, and But there wasn't, from where I was sat, a single mention of Kratinsky. And I just wonder what your thoughts were on that. Well, in defence of Kratinsky, he did come out. Um, it was a couple of days after the, he invested in the club and it was all, it all gone through. Hmm. Um, and he did an, an exclusive interview with Jack Russell. Yeah, in the standard, evening standard, yeah. And he'd written, he technically written a column, um, and he he openly says in that column that you know he's a fan of the way that David Moyes does business and that the club has done business since David Moyes has been at the club. 
Um, and he won't be, he won't, he, he, he literally not so many words when I just want to, you know, give fans, get fans feet back on the ground and go, we're not going to spend big in January. He right. To- no, but James, that's fine, right. mate. But spend big is not zero, is it? Right. Well, th- this spend is it. Big is like, this- oh, we're not going to spend a hundred million. Fine. But this spend is it. I mean, 50 million on two players. That's why, that's why I don't think, I don't think you can, we can aim much of the blame at Kutinsky just yet. Because he he, he he did come out and go, look, we're not going to spend big. We, we, no, like, but James, we're not going to spend big. But then polarized, isn't it? But then you've got you've got then you've got Moyes going right at the beginning of the window. I, I need to strengthen. I, I want to bring in a striker. I want to bring in a. Defender. Moyes wanted players. Moyes he wanted players. Good authority. Um, yeah, hundred percent. He come out publicly and said it. Like yeah. he definitely wanted to strengthen the squad. You've got these phantom bids, fifty million pound bids for players that we're just never going to sign. Not even in the summer, like just no chance for Stamos signing those players. No. Um, so yeah, if if anyone's to blame, it's GSB and Moyes. I don't think yeah, and Rob I, Newman. I don't think yeah. I don't. I think also because he's 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 not a majority shareholder. Yeah, okay, he's invested in the football club, and they, he would have gone. You know, is a few quid for for some players. In terms of injected money into the club, yeah, by yeah. arriving, didn't he? Yeah, it is is a few quid for 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 recruitment. Um, but as he's not a majority shareholder, those I, I very much doubt he's 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 heavily involved in the final say on on certain in, on certain things involving, i.e., January transfers. Um, obviously, he'll be not there the to final say, mate. No, to, but to have to have, he'll have his input, and I'm I'm sure, a old percentage, isn't it? I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure eventually we'll be. We'll be raiding his his club in in the Czech Republic. Was it Sparta for for one or two players? No doubt he'd be doing deals, but I don't know. I, I don't think I think it's too early to blame him. He's just arrived at a club. Um, he's he's put the money there. Why have they not spent it? It's not down to him to spend it. Well, nah, come on, come on. Let's let's be realistic. It is. He's like a a significant voice in the boardroom now. Yeah, yeah, of course, but. We don't know. If you buy twenty seven percent, I believe it was. If you buy twenty seven percent of a of a business that where you all right, your say is weighted. I get with, that. I'm not saying he's got the final say, but I'm you know. With with the bulk of the, the, the transfers that the transfer stories that we've been reading over the course of the last month, um it's been West, <laughs> West, West Ham West West Ham are linked, West Ham are interested. Um no real Nothing solid beyond that, barring the Coletta car thing, which apparently Marseille wanted to sell him outright. We were pushing for a loan to buy. In the end, Marseille just went, we're not doing a, a loan to buy. Then, yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm, I'm sure they're pretty annoyed about, given that they're desperate for money. So that's why they wanted him to, wanted him to go outright. Hmm. They've been doing a lot of financial problems. The others, no idea what whether it was Moyers going... I'm not too sure, I'm not too sure, I'm not too sure until it's too late. Or whether Moyes going, oh, I need that player, that player, that player. And then very similar thing with the collector card deal, going, yeah, but we're going to try and negotiate either a loan to buy or try and knock down the asking price a little bit. And that's why the deal falls through. We don't really yeah. know what the ins and outs are, apart from that collector card, which is very, very heavily publicised as to why that deal broke down. But the others, that's why I'm, I'm finding it hard to really really aim any blame towards Kotinski because we don't know how he operates really as a, mm. as a football club owner whereas we know full well how both David Moyes operates in the market and how GSB operate in the market so 
it's very it's a lot easier to go well we kind of can see where this one's gone wrong we can see mm-hmm. you've messed up here whereas Kratinsky you don't know he may have just just dumped a bag of cash on a David Sullivan's desk and gone right say spend that if you want it like no one really knows um <laughs> Load I think of, uh, load of euros. I was going to say Czech rubles or whatever, but I think the days of them being a Soviet country. Yeah, it's probably why we didn't euros. spend the money because it's a Czech ruble. This is probably why we couldn't spend it. <laughs> Sullivan's <laughs> like, what the hell are these, mate? They've been out of circulation since 1994. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nah, I don't know, mate. I, I, right, okay then. Let's just uh, sort of to wrap it up. Because um, I, I definitely don't. I, I think any sort of one going out trying to pin 100% of the blame on one group or individual. So it'd be that the board, Moyes, Newman, whatever, right? We don't know too much of the dynamics of that, how it's all working behind the scenes now. I mean, however the, whatever the details are, it's, the results aren't particularly good, are they? They're already annoyingly f- infuriating. Uh, so just on again, this is a bit of a futile exercise, but let's do it because you know we're supposed to be content creators, aren't we? So, <laughs> um, I, I think if you take those four groups, right? So we'll just group them. You have Moyes, you got Newman, you got Board, Gold Sullivan, and Brady, um, or we'll say Board, but it's, it's basically David Sullivan, isn't it? Um, and then Kratinsky. Uh, give me some percentages, a portion some responsibility as opposed to blame. Blame's a little bit of a thingy, but a portion responsibility for the farce that is whilst West Ham are on the brink of the biggest or one of the biggest achievements, certainly of the modern era, um, that we've gone a whole month with still only one right-back turn centre-forward as our striker who's injury-prone and is also going to fly to Jamaica every now and then. Um, and a threadbare defence as well, and just haven't signed any players. Talk to me, give me some percentages. Well, I think you have to lump Moyes and Newman in the same bracket because they're, they're a team. They're a team, you know, they must be working together. Right, okay. Um, yeah. So, regardless of whether David Moyes hasn't done his job or Rob Newman hasn't done his job, you know, I think they've both got to be accountable as a team. Okay. Um, I think you can separate Kratinsky from. GSB because he's he's the newbie on that board. Yeah, okay, he's come with significant investment, but he's the newbie. Um, I would say I'm going to say fifty percent GSB, right? Forty percent Moyes and Newman, ten percent Kratinsky. Blimey, I don't know if you're just trying to get in old Danny Kay's good books, but. <laughs> uh, are you open to get him on the show if so yeah. you'll have to interview him on you yeah. 100% <laughs> mate yeah yeah get him on Daniel if you're listening he's definitely listening of course he's listening love, listening. love to have you on mate yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I would also like to have you on uh, but mainly so I can explain why I think you're more to blame <laughs> than James does West Ham not signing anyone um, yeah I, I don't know mate I think if you're a Four billionaire, it's not a word, is it? But um, <laughs> multi billionaire, probably, works, yeah, that would do. yeah. But all right, if you're worth four billion quid, um, I think you've probably like been in enough business meetings in your time. Well, he does own so, another football club, by the way, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. it's not like oh, he's sort of getting used to how things work, it's like he's done transfers before, he's set up boards and made decisions over recruitment. <laughs> I don't think we like needed to let him off this one. I think he. Was part of it, but I understand he is um, 
curtailed by his lack of control in ownership. Um, yeah, so, okay, I'd, I don't know. I, I don't really know, mate. I, I know that Moyes wanted players. Um, I, I'm not certain as to the validity of that report I already mentioned where Newman gave him a list of targets. I honestly, I know we we're sort of having a bit of a joke about it, but I genuinely don't think he's new to the role. He come with an impressive like CV, Rob Newman. I don't actually, I know we were larking about and saying, what's he been doing? But I, it doesn't, it's unfathomable that he hadn't been doing his job quickly. Oh. And he's got contacts to tap into. It's not going to take a while to get going. It's unfathomable that he hasn't done his part of the process to me. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't, how much did you give him? Are you clubbed him together with Moisey, didn't you? It complicates it for me. So I'm going to completely ignore the fact that you've done that. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Robbie Newman gets 10. I was going to go a bit lower than that, like seven, but I can't bother to do the maths. So we'll go 10 for Robbie Newman. Um, yeah, and I'm going to go... Uh, I'm just going to go 20 for... Nah, 25 for Kratinski, I think. Because... Nah, 25 harsh. Right, 20. 20 for Kratinski. Because I do appreciate as well, he can't be steaming in going, right, we need to sign this player, we need to sign this player. People hate that trait in an owner. So I'm going to go Kratinski just because I'm... I think previously I had some high hopes for him shaking things up a bit and we'd have a different transfer window. 20 for Kratinsky, 10 for Robbie Newman, which is 30. Um, and then I'm going to say, at least with 70, I'm going to go 40 GSB and 30 David Moyes. Um, just because, especially towards the end of the transfer window, the 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 trademark, like the trademark, uh, transfer reports came out, didn't they? From the same old people as well. Like, again, I'm not I'm not criticising because we work in industry, mate, as well, and people have sources. What and what people watching these things, be it Sky Sports or Talk Sport or reading the papers or online, whatever it is, um, journalists for these organisations have uh, contacts across the game, right? What often happens? You tend to have, or I've found, you tend to have journalists whose sources tend to tend to be agents, and you have those whose sources tend to be within clubs. You obviously have a variety, and pl- plenty of journalists have both. Um, but what you find is through, and I'm not going to name any names, but people will know who I'm talking about listening. It's quite clear, certainly as far as West Ham transfer news goes, to establish which journalists have board side sources yeah like uh, the uh, within the owners or the board i'm not saying it is the owners but like club side sources and understandably the though if you're gonna like have journalists relationships with journalists they, they don't want the agent side coming out do they they want any news that gets released to their uh, contacts the, the journalists they know it's gonna they want it to paint west ham in a favourable light. Understand that that would be true of all clubs as well. I think there's different ways of doing it about it and perhaps making it a little bit less transparent when it's the same faces wheeling out the same sort of news and going, the amount of like journalists you hear, mate, going, oh, West Ham are trying really hard. It's like, leave it out, mate. You know, just, just write a column for the West Ham website if you're going to do blatant mm. PR like that. Do you know what I mean? 
So, oh, West Ham are really, really trying hard to sign some players. Give us some names. Give us some detail on where the deals are at. The num- some numbers. Like, like you normally get. Do you know what I mean? If you're talking to agents, you yep. get a lot more detail and a lot more detail in the stories come out. And this is where we're at now because the agents want the deal to go through. So they want the information to be in the public domain. So there's like the fan pressure builds and it builds pressure on the other party mm-hmm. they negotiate with. You never get that from the same old uh, suspects, do you? It's just like, I was saying we're really, really trying hard. And then 50 million quid for Calvin Phillips. Pull the other one. I mean, well, yeah, there's still some question about whether it was official bid or not, but 50 million pounds for Calvin Phillips, England's number one central midfielder, like, after Declan or alongside Declan Rice. He's like integral to everything Leeds are and has been the last however many seasons. They're on the verge of going down and you reckon 50 million quid is going to prize the one of the like, a bright young English central midfielder away mm-hmm. from a club with four months ago in the season on the brink of going down. It's like, what? And it, again, obviously they didn't think that and it's just one of those stories that goes out so people go, oh, Oh, we're going for Calvin Phillips. That's a big move. It's not. That's not a serious move for Calvin Phillips, is it? Really? How much would you pay for Calvin Phillips in this window that would have prized him away? Well, I mean, I mean, he would have easy, cost, easy twenty million more than that. Yeah, he would have cost at least seventy-eight million quid. And even easy. then, yeah. e- even then, that would have been probably. I think even Leeds may have undenied over that still because yeah. of the situation that they're in. I reckon 80 um, would have done it. Yeah, 70 might have been, ooh, that's a lot. But Yeah, but then, I mean, if, if that bid was real, then it was very, very obvious what West Ham are trying to do. Mm. They're spending the Deccan Rice money and replacing Deccan Rice for the summer. Like, there's absolutely no way we signed Calvin Phillips and we have Calvin Phillips and Deccan Rice in the midfield for the next five years. Like, so obvious what that deal represents. <laughs> maybe, maybe I was being a bit naive thinking, I was like, oh, yeah. Cam Phillips and Dexter Rice. I mean, it sounds brilliant, but it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah. absolutely, particularly if we don't finish in the top four or qualify for Champions League. Like, just like sign, that, sign the whole just, England team. Yeah, we'll just, yeah, we'll just become... Sterling, Harry Kane, Jordan yeah. Pickford. No, Jordan Pickford. No, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. But yeah, yeah. Like, so obvious what that did represent. Similar with Rafinha and Bowen. Like, Bowen leaves in the summer, which you know, is, a, is, you know... Behave. Don't start. Like, I'm not going into this now. But you, You're but you can, obviously, me. mate, we will return to this conversation in about six months' time. But you could kind of see what what they were representing as deals. But the, the fees involved, or the fees that we've been told were involved, were insulting to Leeds. Um, yeah, well, which made me insulting. Just like don't just, waste my time with a phone call. If that was a phone call that was made, but this, what, this, are you, what are you this, emailing me with fifty million quid for? That's Go why away. I, I've got I, more I, important I, things to do. That's why I question whether they were actual bids. No, of course, but that's where, mate, it's, uh, that's where the talk goes again, and it's just boring. So I don't, just, nothing, nothing of substance has happened again, and that's where the frustration comes from. It's a complete lack of substance, isn't it? You know, Bowen and Suchek arrived in Lingard in January before, and it's like so clear the boost that gave the team. Mm-hmm. It's, like it's there on paper, and you haven't done it. That's that's what it boils down to. I mean, have you got any more to say on it, mate? Because I'm just, especially you telling me Rice and Bowen are going in the summer. That is not what I needed right now. I, I, I don't think it's, I think it's very feasible to to accept oh, the fact no that both of them will, will go, at least one of them. Um, but the fact is, we went into this transfer window needing to two, two, 
two key players, a striker and a centre-half. They were the two key players that we needed. Coletta Car could have come if they could be bothered to pay the 18 million quid that Marseille wanted. Right, 18 million pounds and they were trying to negotiate. So it's up. <laughs> which is less right. than Suchek. Which is less than Suchek, uh, less than Bowen, um, less than Zuma, for crying out loud. Um, like, anyway, anyway. And then you've got, we need a backup striker. Ideally someone that could come in, help Antonio out, give him a bit of a rest, um, come off the bench and try and change a game, be a little bit different to Antonio. You've got literally the definition of backup Premier League striker sitting at Liverpool in Divock Origi. Oh, Divock Origi, mate, I know. Right. That he's, he, he, me, yeah. His name is Divock backup Premier League striker Origi for a reason. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And he's been offered around... Just specialising, mate, uh, being a backup Premier League striker to teams exactly. in Exactly, and this is also a guy that's played in the Champions League, scored in Champions League finals, right? He's been there, seen it and done it. He's a very good striker. Came off the bench for Liverpool against us earlier in the season, scored. scored. Brilliant right? goal. Superb goal, really good finisher. Would love him. Yeah. I'd have him as our first choice if Antonio was at the club, but he's a backup striker, right? Yeah. And he's been offered around by Liverpool yesterday on loan. No one takes him. Why aren't we going, right, we're getting bloody desperate now. Like, let's just bring him in. He's a backup striker. He's he done it against uh, us. James, as a, de- uh, des- I'm, I'm, we, are, we are desperate, mate, for a striker. Uh, so, mate, come on. It's only been a year since we've... 18 uh, months since Hala, we last signed the striker. <laughs> like, yeah, it's only been a year since Haller left, mate. I think desperate. It's a bit harsh. I mean, it, it just baffles it's me ridiculous. that they've not gone... Okay, okay, he's not he's not the type of striker that we're really looking for. Um. But if it's a loan deal until the end of the season, for crying out loud, just do it. I know. Honestly, what do you mean he's not the type of striker we're looking for? He's just, pretty good. Like, yeah, he's pretty he good. He just sign him. Things. He doesn't fit the tactics or whatever. What the hell are you talking about? You're telling me Antonio does all the time. No If he's coming off the bench for the last 15 minutes of the majority of the games he's going to play for us, right, with the sole, sole purpose of trying to score a goal, which he does almost every game for Liverpool when he comes off the bench, right? He's perfect for our system. But you can you, you just know that the reason why we didn't sign him or wasn't interested in signing him is because he didn't fit the system. He weren't going to sign him for the sake of it. And that's the thing that re- has confused me out of all, the entire window is why on earth did we not go up to Liverpool and go, we'll have him. We'll have him. I just phoned, but yeah. I assume well, saying. I mean, just whatever. Rock up. Just rock up. Just rock up at Melwood. Sorry, Devick. Come on. Come here, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get you an Uber back down there. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, that's the thing that's really. I can't remember what words so, used there. No, but just confused. I yeah. just don't know why at we sea. haven't tried to get that deal done. Yeah, yeah. So um, one thing, right? So you're telling me because he doesn't fit the system. Am I right in suggesting that? Well, no, I'm not saying that. But no, 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 no. Sorry. Yeah, but the, I know you're not saying it. Sorry, that that's why we didn't sign him. Yeah. Are you suggesting then that West Ham are? currently in the market as far as striker goes for someone who came to or started out their career as a right winger played right back for a lot of it uh, gets injured quite a lot uh, and may decide to go and play for a nation that he's never played for that are at least an eight to nine hour flight away semi-regularly is that that is that why because Divock Origi hasn't got any of those what some people may call flaws or drawbacks because uh, he's just played as a centre forward his whole career yeah. uh, and only plays for Belgium, people are like, oh, that's a bit too convenient. That's not really that farcical and laughable, is it? So, uh, better, better not touch that one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, mate. I mean, I've had enough. Other... I've had enough, mate. I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I just don't know. I, I, 
I don't know why David Carigi wasn't good enough for David Moyes and West Ham. Like the guy scores goals for fun off the bench for one of the best, yeah. literally the best team in Europe. Like why? <laughs> well, just quick, let's just have a quick one then. Yes or no, mate? I heard the other day Benteke. Yes or no? I mean. <laughs> I probably would have taken him at 10 yeah, o'clock last night. me too, mate. Defo. Definitely, definitely would. I don't, people will laugh about it or whatever, but definitely. Just give him a shot. He can't be any worse than Antonio's been recently, and it's better than... like People go, oh, Bowen can play up front. It's like, yeah, but he's playing so well in his position. Why, why, why change it? force yourself to have to move him? Anyway, yeah. I'm proper fed up with this already, mate. Just, um, just one last one. Go on. worth, worth saying, I saw this report earlier. It made me chuckle. And yeah. it did make me think, oh, I can just see us doing it. Diego Costa's still a free agent. Mate, mate, I saw that. <laughs> and I can just yes, see us. Please. I can, yes, I can please. see us doing it. I mean, literally, the Premier League's original bastard playing for West Ham. Yes, it. please. Won I it. would love that. Yeah. Definitely just, want it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. Right. Um, we're done on the transfer section. It's a very short podcast this week. Actually, uh, Jonesy, no Betway charity bets because there was no Premier League game since we last spoke. There isn't going to be one until we speak again. The only game is uh, Kidderminster Harriers. So what we'll have for you next up, we'll have an opposition view on that Kidderminster game in the FA Cup. We'll have the West Ham women and we're probably not going to do final thoughts because it would just be some moaning like this. So uh, all we'll do is a little bit of housekeeping at the end. So if you want, uh, I'd rather you didn't, but you probably turn off before that bit. But uh, yeah, listen to the uh, Kidderminster bit and the, uh, the West Ham women, if nothing else. All of that's next. Rakuten. It's the smartest way to shop and save. Earn cash back at over 3,500 stores in every single category. We're talking fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, subscription services, and so much more. Rakuten deposits your cash back directly into your PayPal account or can send you a check. Membership is free and it's super easy to sign up. Rakuten has 15 million members who are already saving. Shouldn't you be one of them? It's a no-brainer. Shopping smarter doesn't have to be harder. Start with Rakuten via desktop, the app, or the extension, and let Rakuten do the deal finding for you. Start saving today at Rakuten.com or on the Rakuten app. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Delighted to say that joining us on the show this week is lifelong Kidderminster Harriers fans. Look ahead to that game against West Ham in the FA Cup this weekend. It's Nick Haycox. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you with us. Uh, always like these rogue fixtures that get thrown up. We do the opposition view every week. I'm obviously used yeah. to playing, uh, talking to the same old fans in the Premier League. Uh, so it's nice to have a new face and a new voice on the show. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me, Will. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, all good. Really looking forward to Saturday. We're on a good run of form in the league. And uh, yeah, can't, can't quite believe it really. Seems a bit surreal that we're Got a Premier League club coming to town on the weekend, but yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I bet, mate. So, Kidderminster Harriers, for those people who don't know, um, I feel like, from my point of view, they're one of those clubs that, because it's quite a unique name, people yeah. are just aware of their presence. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're one of the, <laughs> yeah. if you were asked to name like a, a classic non league team, I feel like uh, Kidderminster would be one of those. Obviously, you haven't always been non league, though, have you? Um, no, no. So he's in the football league for a for a period of time, which, to be fair, were probably the glory years of the club. Certainly in my in my time, 
Um, but yeah, find ourselves now in the in the national north and you know, quite keen by the looks of, you know, the sort of plans to to get back certainly into the National League and ideally the Football League as soon as possible. But unfortunately, we're not the only club trying to do that. So what sort of, when, when was it, Nick, roughly that, that you were last in uh, in the Football League? Yeah, so I think the Football League was around 2003, something like that, that we were right. in, there, in there for. We were there for about five or six seasons, I believe. Um, and we had some good teams in, in that period. We we didn't really struggle until the season we went down, if that makes sense. We were always kind of like mid-table or pushing towards the playoffs. And then yeah, yeah. we just had one season where, you know, we, we just sort of fell short and, and got relegated and, and back into the conference. And, you know, we're not the only club that that's happened to. We won't be the last. It's really difficult to get out of these kind of leagues because, you know, the conference is, is only the, the champions that go up automatically and then it's playoffs and it's the same yeah, across. The north and south level as well so actually getting back promoted is a massive challenge because there's only yeah, two yeah. places when did you, you know? drop down again to the national league north uh we dropped down to that our first season was 2017 so we've been there for about four or five years yeah and again we've, we've come close so the first season back in we had a good side uh john eustace was our manager ex-championship player yeah. played some lovely football but um, unfortunately we came second and then lost in the playoffs which Quite often happens, doesn't it, when you come second? Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, yeah. So we're third in third in the league at the moment. Big win at the yeah, weekend. Big win last night. Three nil. Oh, last night was it? Oh, of yes. Course, yeah. Three nil home to Leamington. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. You sound like an American saying Leamington. Leamington. It's, uh, it's it Leamington. Leamington Spa. As in the spa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I called Leamington it. Spa. I yeah. thought it was. I thought it was a bit strange, but it is Leamington as in the spa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah as in, yeah, well, that's the that's the town. Yeah. Um, they yeah, they came yeah, to Agra right. last night and. Uh, to be fair to them, they played played really well. Probably the, the better team first half. They, they had a couple of chances that, you know, if we give you guys those chances, that you will 100% put them away. They didn't. Mm. And then we scored just before half-time with a free kick. And then, yeah, went on to win the game quite comfortably in the end. But first half was very was very even. Nice one. Uh, please, so, please with the win. Say that again? Please with the win. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. 3-0 is a nice score as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, we'll take that. I'm just looking for your results. You haven't lost... Um, for in for the last four games in pretty good form at the moment. Uh, yeah. So sort of looking ahead to uh, the, the reason we're chatting FA Cup game, yeah. early one on Saturday. Um, for those who don't know, how did you get here? Like, how did you get to being drawn against West Ham? What was your run like up until well, this round? Yeah, so we've we've played six games so far. So I believe that the West Ham game will be our seventh game. Um, started off against a team called Sporting Calcer, beat them 3-1. We start off, I believe it was in the second round qualifying. Right. Beat them 3-1. Then we had Ware, so I guess like obviously down south. Hertfordshire, yeah. Hertfordshire, where, yeah. We, I didn't go to the game, but we drew the first one, one all. And the replay was at Agra. We beat them 3-0. Um, then we beat a team called Bedford, Bedfont Sports, like down by like an airport, apparently. It was like loads. <laughs> they sound like teams there. that I could play for. I know, just strange names and stuff like that. But again, we squeak squeak through 1-0. Um, that was a way. And then we, we got drawn against um, Grimsby, who at the time were top of the conference. So we were kind of playoffs in our league. And then the league above was Grimsby and they were top of that league. And yeah. we had them at home and beat them 1-0. And um, to be fair, we, we played really well. We had our best centre-half missing. So a lot, of the t- a lot of the fans kind of thought we probably would lose, if I'm honest. But yeah, yeah. through the game, beat them 1-0. And then we had the the Halifax game, and yeah, beat them two 0 as well. They were flying high. I think they were top three in the in the league above. And um, to be honest, they were they were pretty poor. We 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 definitely deserved to win that game. Yeah. And then 
FA Cup third round, hoping to get to land a big a big tie. We've got we've got Reading at home. Pleased with um, that, or were you a bit sort of disappointed at first? I think when you get to the third round and you're a non-league team, you're looking for that that Premier League side. Yeah, of course. Um, but I suppose if you don't get that, the next tier down is a home game against anyone. Yeah, know? yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I still can't quite believe we beat them. They, they didn't play their their absolute best side, but I think you know. One nil down as well, back to two one. I oh, know, just right in a way. There, there was a chance of beating them purely on the basis that I don't think they got too much confidence, struggling to nah. the table, away for them, home for us. So you did kind of think oh, maybe we could just do something, but then when they went, I mean, they were the better team for the first twenty five minutes, and then they scored right on the stroke of half time. Um, and I thought. Nah, like that's the worst time to concede, you know. Just think, get into half time, nil nil, shoot towards the home end, second half. You never know. And the turnaround, we absolutely battered them second half. We deserved to win second half. We really, yeah, really yeah. played it on, and the atmosphere was was awesome. Yeah, yeah. But, so I, we uh, we obviously overcame Leeds at home in the last round. I was in the car on the way back, listening to the draw. And I've recently, the last couple of seasons, I just hate listening to cup draws. I love cup draws normally, but the domestic cups, I'm just waiting for us to get Man United. Oh, okay, like a big team. Yeah, just, we always just get a rank, rank draw in most, like the the Carabao Cup run we had earlier this year. Manchester City at home, who hadn't lost in the competition for five years, managed to beat them. Then Old Trafford, Man United away, managed to beat them somehow. And then Tottenham at home. It was, uh, sorry, Tottenham away in the next round. Just, we seem to just get shafted left, right and centre. So I was in the car on the way back from beating Leeds. Even that was a bit of a grim one. I was like, Premier League at home, that was a potential banana skin. We obviously came through it. Yeah. But listening to the draw, thinking, ah, here we go on the radio. It's like, yeah, come just say Liverpool already. You normally get Man United in the FA Cup as well. A lot of recent Man United games at Old Trafford. Yeah, almost always. So I was like, here we go, just wheel out the big team and let's get it over with. And I'm not, I'm going to be honest, no disrespect, obviously, but when we got Kidderminster, I was fist bumping like we'd scored. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Through relief more than anything. Really. But you might get, through, you'll get through this round and into the into yeah, the last yeah, stages. Yeah. So what was your, what was your sort of, where were you listening to it and uh, or watching it or whatever? And what was your reaction when, uh, yeah. when West Ham at home come out the hat? Yeah, so I'd been out in the day and I was scrabbling to get back in time for the draw, to be honest. I remember just, I literally just got in my house. I was the only person in my house. My, my wife and my daughter weren't in. So very much just like just stuck it on, watched it on my own, which is a bit sad, really. But that was kind of, I was just happy to get to get to see it. And um, to be honest, when, when we came out at home, that I was happy with that. I, just, I wanted us to be at home, whoever we played. Really, right, yeah. Yeah, I wanted us to be, just because I enjoyed the day before so much. Hmm. You know, being at home, the atmosphere, the build-up for the town, and just like how happy it made made everyone. I just thought, yeah, if we get a home game, that's at least a starting point. And then, yeah, when when West Ham came out, I immediately thought, wow, it's like '94 all over again. You know, a repeat of that of that of that match. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, I think you've got the the Sullivan Sullivans and Karen Brady and stuff, and they 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 were in in charge of Birmingham City, I believe, when we knocked them out in the third round of the FA Cup in '94. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's quite, a, I suppose, a, a romantic game in that respect. But, you know, the next ball out was United or Villa. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Villa would have been, like, for where we are in the country, Villa would have been huge. And, you know, no one likes Man United, do they? So. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly right. So, were you, were you pleased when it was West Ham then? Is yeah, you... massively. I mean, huge game. I mean, 
a, a team fighting for Champions League. You know, one of England's best players, certainly the biggest prospect probably in England in, in Declan Rice. You know, a massive fan base. We know the atmosphere is going to be good. Like, you know, it ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah, apart yeah. from the fact it's probably... A, I'm not going to say an unwinnable game. Got to believe it's the FA Cup. You never know yeah. on the day. But you know you'll probably play a strong team. Mm. You know you want to try and win a want to try and win a trophy. So you know you're not going to just sort of roll over and and do a bit of a red in and save yourself for the league. I don't think. So yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of a reality check of it's going to be a really difficult game. Whereas if you pull out a a Liverpool or a United, sometimes if they're not focusing on it, they'll just play you know a young side, and then you just never know. But yeah, yeah. sneaking suspicion, so, you play like a strong team. What um, what are you sort of what, what can uh, listeners to the to the We Are West Ham podcast who yeah. are looking ahead to the game? What sort of style wise um, can we expect from from Kidderminster? What sort of game do you expect to play yeah. out? Obviously, sort of yeah. smile on your face there, but um, <laughs> yeah. it could sort of be a bit attritional, maybe a bit ten men, eleven men, twelve men behind the ball. No, I wouldn't. Would... Again, I don't know because we don't come we don't come up against teams like West Ham every week. We're normally a team that is on the front foot, looking to win games because we've got aspirations of, of winning the league or being promoted. So very different different when we're playing against you know the Reddings, your West Hams, and we're kind yeah, of yeah. we know we're not going to be on the ball. I think it'll probably I don't think it'll be as attractive as some of the the Premier League games and the, and the styles of football. But you know. If we do get the chance to play and keep the ball, we will. We're not just a, a long ball team. We're quite varied. We've had teams in the past, I, I spoke about the team that, that nearly got promoted and won the league. That was very much a pass out from the back. Yeah. Like, uh, really just playing through the lines. It was really attractive to watch. But we were kind of soft. And when we came against the harder teams, physically harder teams, we'd kind of crumble. Right. This team's a lot more... It just finds a way to, to win, finds a way to, to, to weak out results. So I think it'll be mixed. I, I hope we go on the front foot and play our game. I don't want us to sit back because I just don't, I just can't see how we're going to compete doing it that way. We might as well mm. give it everything and just go on the front foot and, and go out swinging, as they say. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably a few more long balls than you're used to seeing, but we don't just go long ball, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. It's quite a mixed so- game. What um as far as sort of player wise, um, hmm. who's who are your big threats at the moment? What sort of uh, who should West Ham fans be a little bit worried about? What areas of the pitch you look to hurt us? Yeah, so we've got a bit of a specialist free kick taker. You might have seen on the internet. Uh, he's called Amari Sterling. Amari Sterling right. James. He does like a knuckleball style free kick. He scored another one last night. He um he's very good long long range shooting, long range free kicks. Um, can get it up and dip over the wall. So if you give any free kicks away, kind of 30 yards or closer to the goal than 30 yards out, he will have a shot, I'm sure. Mm. And you just never know. Um, we've got good set. He's a good set piece delivery as well. So on corners, we can be pretty dangerous. Um, but really, that that we've got like a we play like a target man striker who who works really hard. He's kind of like the the, t- the focal point, and then the, the 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 three behind him work off him. And you've got Amari Sterling, James, Sam Austin, and Ashley Hemmings, and they're quite a creative front three at our level. Um, so we're looking towards them to create the goals. Really, Sterling forced an incredible save and a Reading keeper in that game, and, and Austin scored scored one of the goals. Um, so yeah, th- th- those will be the danger men going forward. And then got a couple of really good centre halves again at yeah. our level. We've got an ex ex Birmingham City under twenty three player called uh, Geraldo Badrami. Right. And he is 
really good. I think a lot of the Harry's fans are excited about him. I think he'll probably go on to bigger and better things relatively yeah. quickly. He's a really good centre-back, really composed. Um, and then alongside him is a guy called Nathan Cameron, who's slightly older, played at a, um, a senior level. And they're a really good pair, to be honest. And yeah, fingers crossed they, they have a they have a good game. I mean, they, they played really well, both of them, against Reading. And without that, we, we would have probably struggled, to be fair. But yeah, then I would have been your lot. Well, that's what I was, that sort of brings me on to my next question a bit, really, Nick, is that um, you mentioned Declan Rice already. Uh, yeah. One of the brightest prospects in the country. Well, it's not even a prospect anymore, is he? He's no, just like a yeah. builder. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're delighted to have him. Not sure for for how much longer, but I'm not interested in any of that. Just enjoy him while we've no, got him. I just enjoy him, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But what um, what sort of are you, are you most worried about from, from West Ham's point of view? What, player-wise? Yeah, just like what, yeah, what sort of concerns you, you the most? Um, I think the, the biggest thing that worries me is just the pace, the, the pace of the game. Like, even against Reading, you can see the first touch, the control, like it's just that level or two above what we're used to seeing and that's obviously mm. difficult for us because then we've got less time to do to, to sort of know what we're doing um Declan Rice is the obvious one but you know um Bowen is you know if he plays it's going to be a, a huge threat um Lanzini if he plays big threat we've got got players all over the field really that can hurt us but I think hopefully Antonio doesn't play Mm. Um, well, I think, funny enough, I hope that too. <laughs> yeah, like, well, just because you want him fit for the prem. Nah, it's, it's not so much that. I think he's it, just his form's been poor recently. Um, not that we, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't sign anyone in the January transfer window, but which is a bit of a complete joke. But yeah, um, Antonio is one of those people who's, who's injury prone and his form can be a little bit, or has been a little bit off uh, recently as well. So. Yeah, and he's uh, been away, went away with Jamaica. So I'd, I'd be stunned if he played the game. But not that we've got anyone else. It'd probably be Yarmolenko. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's what, so I think that maybe. There's, there's a few players that would be worried about. But I guess if you ask me to name three, I'd, I'd probably go Bowen, Rice, and then Lanzini if he plays because like they can just they can just do anything, can't they? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And playing against players at our level, we've just got to try and make it difficult for them as much as possible. But it's, Easier said than done. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Well, look, Nick, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show. We appreciate you giving up your time. Cheers, Will. Before I let you go, what's your score prediction for the game? Saturday lunchtime, FA Cup, fourth round. Kidderminster Harriers at home to West Ham. Okay, so my my heart says 2-1 Harriers, but my realistic head says 3-1 West Ham. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I reckon you'll be, I can't see it being a demolition. I can just see it being one of them horrible ones where... We just sort of nick one, don't do anything. They've just had a week break. You're sort of a bit more match sharp and it's just a lot more scary than uh scary I mean, that, than it, it look, you're selling it to me, Will. If that's what happens, I'm 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 more than happy to uh, I'm more than happy to take that. I think if we can just keep it you know, either go a goal down and can and, and equalise, that'll be really exciting. Or if we just got a you know, a free kick or something, take the lead and you know, you, you just yeah. want that hope on you yeah. just want that hope on and belief on the day. Not to go two or three nil down after 15, 20 minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think, I hope, touch wood, you know, we don't make it easy for many teams these days. So, yeah. as good as you are, hopefully we can uh, give a good account of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, fingers crossed for a uh, good game. Nick, you've been absolutely brilliant. Uh, appreciate you coming on the We Sound podcast for the first time ever. I'd like to say we'll see you again. Um, if we do, it'll be mean another yeah. excellent run for you in the Cup next year. We appreciate your time. Uh, Nick Haycock's there, lifelong Kidderminster Harriers fan, season ticket holder. Uh, Shim, you go to the game, Nick? 
Yeah, got my ticket. Yeah, season ticket. So, uh, yeah, first in the queue. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Well, enjoy it. Um, yeah. I'm not going to wish uh, wish you uh, too much luck. And stay with us because we'll have the West Ham women next. <laughs> Two games for West Ham women since we last spoke. Jonesy, a 2-0 defeat away to Chelsea last Wednesday before they went up to Sheffield United in the Women's FA Cup fourth round and walloped them. 4-1, uh, Beth England and Erin Cuthbert scoring the two goals for Chelsea. Uh, Beth England 51, Erin Cuthbert 82. West Ham didn't manage a shot on target the whole game. Uh, Chelsea, meanwhile, had 10. Uh, <laughs> yeah, quite a um, quite a bit of a swing. But the scoreline's not too bad. I think we were saying before that um, weren't really expecting anything out of the game. Chelsea played 11-1-8, drawn one and lost two this season. Uh, the the defeat leaves West Ham in seventh place in the league. We're sort of doing all right because the teams below us uh, have all played more games. Um, and yeah, 12 is sort of like the mean average of uh, games played by those teams. Uh, seventh, which I reckon I is quite. we're quite safe to say the way the season's going. Could very well be where we end up. We might sneak up another place or sneak down below another place, but it looks like it's going to be sixth, seventh, or eighth. Um, still a few games left in the season, to be fair. 12 played so far, 10 games left. Um, who knows? I, again, not really that surprising, Josie, that Chelsea defeat. Um, but pleasantly, a bounce back from that nice and easy. Uh, went up to Sheffield United and won 4 1. Um, uh, yeah, one new up after four minutes. Sheffield United pegged one back after six. And then uh, Claudia Walker scored two and 21 of 57 before Dagny Brynjastotir scored on 63 minutes. 64% possession for the girls. 10 shots on target, 21 overall. Sheffield United limited to two, albeit they're, uh, they're not in the same division. They're not a WSL team, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And I think... Basically, mate, that's kind of what we were expecting from those two games and can't be too disappointed with, with the outcome. No, I think with the Chelsea game, was it two two games against Chelsea in, in quick succession where we've only lost by two goals. Yeah. Um, I mean, admittedly, we've well, only had three shots on target across those two games, but um, I think it was only two that we scored from in the first game. But I think the, the key thing is that we say it every week. You know, last year would have lost by probably a lot, a lot more than that. Um, but by keeping the score low, putting in good performances, still um, just keeps the the morale higher, keeps the positivity higher. That you know they, they've, they've improved under Oli Harder, yeah. and then you go, you like go an to, eight or nine nil could kill that, couldn't it? Yeah, just yeah. There was last season where I think Arsenal, Arsenal, was Arsenal yeah. battered us sort of seven or eight nil, and it just completely killed everything. And um, go on a run of run of poor form and. You don't need that when you're in a relegation battle or or pushing to kind of improve on a previous relegation battle. So I think they can take a lot, a lot of heart out of those two performances in particular against Chelsea. Um, but then beating Sheffield United in that fashion in, uh, in the FA Cup fourth round is is only good. And I think we've drawn Reading away in the fifth round, which is certainly winnable. 27th of Feb, that is, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So again, a winnable draw in the fifth round. Um Looking at a cup run in the FA Cup, which is great. Coincide that with the which has been a really good season in WSL. 
and it's still looking rosy, even though well, it's what two wins out of the last three three games. So, I think that was our first WSL defeat in quite some time as well. So, um, yeah, all good despite the, the Chelsea defeats. I think we can take a lot of like a, a lot of positives from it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. A couple of big games next up in the WSL as well. Sunday the 6th of Feb, Aston Villa away. Villa just two places uh, behind at the moment in ninth. Uh, they've played the same amount of games as West Ham, uh, but four points behind. It's one of those, mate. You win that game, there's a gap then of seven points between the two teams, which is fairly substantial. And like I said, I think if you win that, then you've got Leicester next up or in 11th. Um, I've only won twice all season, lost 11, um, won two, haven't drawn a single game of their 13. Definitely a game that the girls should be winning. If you get six points out of those, that's nice and rosy indeed before that um, FA Cup game reading away like you mentioned. Um, so certainly, and then obviously Chelsea at home in, on the 6th of March in the WSL, but th- the next three games, that could uh, that could really sort of, be the, the hallmark of a of an exciting season, particularly that Villa game. I think, hundred um, percent. Form up to up uh, in the league up until the Chelsea game was good. So you know the fact that we weren't battered, like I said, means that we can still take a lot. You know, go into that game with heads held high and knowing that you know we can beat anyone in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, start winning some more games in the league and put a little bit of distance between ourselves and those below us. And like as you said at the beginning, like we could be looking more towards a sixth place finish rather than a seventh or eighth place finish or ninth place finish. So, so yeah, get a little run together, some decent fixtures coming up in order for us to be able to do that, and um, look ahead to finishing the season strongly. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, look, I was only joking earlier on. Do stay with us for some final thoughts. Uh, that'll be next. <laughs> Right, Jonesy, we, we bleated and we moaned earlier on. Um, I will ask you for some final thoughts in a minute. Uh, as I always do, just a reminder, because we certainly didn't do it in the first section. Uh, glad we were able to, to sort of chat about um, chat about Isla at the beginning of the show, mate. Um, we'll, we'll do so again uh, at the end of this one. But just a reminder, you can join our Fantasy Premier League code if you like on OR1WUC. That's the letter OR1WUC. If you want, you can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham or on Instagram at we are West Ham Pod. Facebook, just search We Are West Ham Podcast. Do the same on YouTube to find the YouTube channel where you can see this week James Jones shuddering uh, with anger. You'll have to put that bit up, uh, Jonesy. Subscribe to the podcast as well if you don't already. Give us five stars if you can on Apple. Write a nice review or write a horrible review if you want. If you give us five stars, not the end of the world. Um, but most importantly, just tell your mates about us. Pass the word on word of mouth or whatever it is. There's lots of you have done recently. I had a couple of really nice messages recently, Jonesy. I just want to give a couple of shout outs. Uh, Michael Pennycook over in Canada. At the moment, um, guy who used to live over here in England moved out there. Him and lots of his friends out there listen to the show uh, every week. And he sent me a really nice message the other day just saying how much they all love it and they chat about it in their West Ham group chat they've got over there. And a friend of mine as well, uh, Moro, who works, I might have mentioned it before, works on a cruise liner. 
uh, most of the time. So he's often around the world. And uh, yeah, another nice message from him saying how much he loves listening to the show. And he was just saying the same as we were last week, echoing our sentiments, stuff the Premier League this year, let's win the Europa League. Um, but yeah, a couple of nice messages, really uplifting, positive about uh, what we're doing on the show. So thanks to those guys. Lots of you send your messages through. So uh, you can do that. Keep them coming because they make us smile. Um, mind you, most of the ones that run in both of us down make us smile as well. So <laughs> you can uh, you can keep going with whatever you fancy. And don't forget, you can buy us a beer if you so wish and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham for as little as a five pounds per go. Josie, um, we've done the transfer window to death, really. Have you got anything else to say before we sign off for another week? Kid admits to Harriers in the Cup next up. Um, have you got anything to look back on on the show? We chatted about Isla before, and that should be the, the beginning and the end thing, really. And football transfers and whatever don't really matter. The bit we're lucky to have, isn't it, is the fact we've got a health and hopefully... We, uh, we're healthy enough to be able to moan about West Ham not buying anyone in transfer windows for another 60, 70, 80 years or whatever, mate. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I must admit, I thoroughly enjoyed letting off some steam there. Thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. I could have gone on for a little bit longer. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of, really, it's quite significant when you consider, of course, um, when you consider what's, what Isla's family had to go through, what Isla's had to go through the last six, seven years. And um, yeah, just want to, Obviously, once again, similar love and support to Ireland, Ireland's family, and um, obviously the thoughts are with them. And uh, yeah, just lastly, just looking forward to getting some proper football back this weekend at, at Kidderminster and, and then what's it, Watford on the following Tuesday. That's it, mate. Yeah, yeah. So Kidderminster away in the FA Cup Saturday, the 5th of February, 12.30 kickoff that one. And then uh, Watford at home, Tuesday, the 8th of February, quarter to eight kickoff. Uh, yeah, echo Jonesy's sentiments, really. Um, all our love and support to Isla's family. Uh, she was an absolute inspiration. Um, we will, if any of you were wondering um, about the what we're doing, as far as the Betway charity bets go um, and the money we've been raising for Isla's fight this season, we're in discussions about that at the moment. Obviously, it's going to, uh, all that money goes to the right place for sure. We're just chatting about how that's going to work at the moment, um, in case any of you were wondering, but we'll, we'll update you on that. Um, in due course, there's been, been some good ideas so far, batted around as we've been talking about it. So, uh, yeah, we'll let you know what's going on with that soon. Loads of love and support to Isla. West Ham United go to Kidderminster on Saturday in the FA Cup before welcoming Watford at home in the Premier League the following week. It's not too long now before the draw for the last 16 of the Europa League as well. I've already got the time off of work for the away leg, which I am absolutely delighted about. I've got the home leg booked in as well. So absolutely no excuses from me about missing the game whatsoever. It's exciting stuff. West Ham are still fifth in the Premier League, believe it or not. We might not have any new players, but let's hope by some sort of miracle, the ones we've got <laughs> maintain some superhuman fitness for the rest of the season. Thanks for listening, everyone. Like we said, love and support to Isla and let's just try and keep her in our minds and in our hearts for the rest of the season and beyond because really we're just lucky to be here and lucky to have a football team to support at all. And if they don't sign any players, yeah, it is annoying, as you heard from me and Jonesy earlier on in the show. But ultimately, it's not the end of the world, is it? Thanks for listening, everyone. Up the hammers. West Ham are massive. And we'll see you next week. No!
This week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. This week's West Ham United prize is a fantastic signed and dual-framed West Ham shirt package, including a signed shirt from Declan Rice and star striker Mikhail Antonio. Tickets cost just £8.95 each. Just 99 will be sold. And the competition ends on Friday, the 4th of February at 7.30pm. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufau up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.